wonder what I'm going to say on my intros. I want to exit from this despair. I want to also give a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last. Because with the reversal of role, they're not going to stop there. If you have something meaningful to say that is going to shed light and bring happiness to the world, you better do it before the conservatives decide. And that's how I want to begin my day every day, creating something new, interesting, and that's educating and expand the world instead of bringing darkness. What you doing, beep, beep, boop, 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 boop? What you doing, beep, beep, boop, 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 boop? I am recording from my house here on Forest Avenue, and I'm holding my little spoiled antisocial dog, Etta. Try not to give her COVID, but it's hard, y'all. It's hard. Welcome to another episode of Tennessee Fro Quarks Bar. And hi, I'm your host, Felicia Baxter. And this is Ethel. Looking kind of sad. I hope you're not sick. You're not sick, are you? No, you're not sick. You're hungry. That's what I'm going to take this, um, record this next section, do my air horns, and get Ethel some chicken and some hamburger. That's right, y'all. My glow up continues. I am 17,000 downloads and counting. I've added multiple new listeners or people that follow my show on Podbean. It's just been a great blessing in the last 30 days. It's just been amazing. Um, Coming up with ideas of better and greater content. And it's just amazing. Um, I... I think I'm finding my groove and I'm finding my niche Um, and my perspective is different than most people can possibly imagine. (coughs) Even with me recovering from COVID, I'm still in a creative space and there's so many things that um, inspire me to create different content. It would be great if advertisers and other people that are in the position to pay me to do this instead of doing this as a passing project. But all is well. I think I'm getting closer to that. Um, so sit back and enjoy the, the crazy popular culture ride. <coughs> Ooh, that is Quark's Bar. So what else in good black news? Well, this appears to be Serena Williams's final uh, U.S. Open appearance. She just purely <clears throat> on her presence. They saying that the U.S. Open numbers have skyrocketed. She's playing to sold out crowds. She beat, I think, in straight sets is how they describe it, the number two seeded player um, in the world, I believe. And she just seems to be having a good time. She's also, they say, she's never looked better. I've always thought she's looked always amazing. But then again, I don't watch tennis like that. And I'm just take doing the highlight reels because 
I watch these uh, interviewers and they keep asking her stupid questions. And she seems like she catches herself from going straight Compton on them. Like, is she surprised that she is the bomb? No, she ain't surprised, bitch. Girl, bye. This is what I would have said, but no, she's more classier than that. She's also um, kept the crowd from booing the number two person that she beat. Um, and she just looks amazing. And everybody wants to be like Serena. I mean, this is her last hurrah. She's not um, retiring. She says she's evolving into something else and she's gonna keep it pushing. She wants more kids and hopefully they'll pay. She has a uh, staff as well as an obstetrician that's gonna take better care of her. So she won't almost die at this time from a PE. So I'm actually just really happy for her. Um, go Serena, tear it up, and we can't wait to see what your next step is gonna be. I know I'm gonna be there, I'm there for it. And furthermore about the GOAT, um, Serena Williams actually was recently on Archetype, uh, Princess Cousin Megan's podcast. Uh, that I'm sure is getting, um, well, in the United States probably, in Canada anyways, um, wide listenership. And I just had to see if it's illegal for me um, to even play snippets of the podcast, her podcast on my show because I find it fascinating. Um, I don't even think I'll ever have that pool to have either Princess Cousin Megan or even the GOAT on my show. But I'm just grateful for the opportunity for you guys can either listen to it for yourself or snippets of the show that I that um, actually uh, encouraged me or um, influenced me to even make this part of the podcast because as I say, as we see the evolution of uh, Serena Williams, she's gonna have more, uh, she's gonna absolutely have more of these interviews because people are gonna be fascinated. What is she gonna do next? It is, is it gonna be just as great as her tennis career? And I honestly think so. So listen to this snippet from Princess Cousin Megan's interview of the GOAT. I don't know, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think fearlessness is super important. And I think as you grow with the experience as you get, you think of it as a, a wound when you, if you burn yourself, obviously you don't touch the fire again. So you're learning behaviors that make you stop. And that gives you this, this healthy fear because there's a healthy fear and you know, kind of there's like a godly fear as well. Um, and it's not a bad thing, it's just a precaution that we need. And then we also unfortunately gain through our experience some unhealthy fears. And I know I've experienced that in tennis for sure when, you know, I've had a lot of bad experiences in New York, um, in particular in New York and other places as well. But um, just at the open, it's been, you know, it's been hard. And I know a lot of people have seen it and it's just, what is it? But hold on luck? a second, I don't know. unless but, you want, uh, can I jump in there? Because there are certain things that I know you won't want to say about your experience, but I lived through a lot of that with you. Yeah, but there are some experience I didn't deserve at all. Oh my gosh, of course. 
You were treated completely unfairly. It hasn't. It just wasn't one thing. I'm telling you, the reason that I have trauma from it is because it's been five things or more. I know. Um, the first being the reason Hawkeye like became like a thing was because they were calling my balls out and they weren't even close to the line. Serena's referring here to her U.S. Open quarterfinals match against Jennifer Capriati in 2004. Well, here is a live arrival. Jennifer Capriati and Serena Williams. In that match, I gained this fear of hitting because every time I hit a ball, they would call it out, no matter how close it was or how far it was. Okay, that ball was out. What? And it became so I'm gonna pause right there because the absolute racism that she experienced from such a young age and bullying and misogyny when we have the John McEnroe's and what's that other white dude's name with the long the shag? I can't even remember his name. Agassiz, you know, throwing and the breaking of the t uh, breaking of the uh uh tennis rackets and cussing people out they were they basically just like any good white supremacist basically would just change the rules they basically uh would call it out even though it was even with instant replay it was obvious that the balls were not out and she and they did this stuff just to make her the angry black girl and they were bullying this kid and i find it repugnant that now that I think of it and her uh the the US Open it and it makes sense for the US Open the most racist of all sports venues would be that bad I mean I I I just think they hide it better in England like in Wimbledon and the French Open but the U.S. will basically bless your heart while they cut you and stab you in the head with their racism. So it doesn't surprise me that her worst experiences were in New York and she's helping packing that bitch out now. I think that that just blows my mind. But continue on. It impossible to play because it was like they just kept calling them out. Serena's going to come right over to talk to the chair. I, that was way in. John? That was way in. Excuse me? So that was one of the first things that happened, and there was a plethora of things that happened after that. But um, eventually, I, I remember playing in Australia years and years later that I just didn't have the Serena in me because I was afraid. I was afraid to be Serena because of all the experiences that I've had. And I ended up losing a match because I was afraid to challenge or to be myself. And I, I can't win being someone different. I have to win being Serena. Um, and sometimes that's more fierce, but is it fierce when, you know, guys are saying, come on and, and pumping their fists? It's, it's pretty exciting, but for me, it's pretty, it's aggressive or it's, um, what is, I don't know. They said that I, oh my goodness, I'll never forget. There's one article that said this guy was passionate and I was, I was, I had a meltdown and I was like, wait. How do I have a meltdown? But this guy is passionate. Mm -hmm. It was just so... No, the double standard. And, and look, there's something that happens in being archetyped 
that's really dehumanizing. And I think of that from my personal standpoint of being there in the box with your, you know, your mom and your sister and like watching you win and at the same time watching the pressure, the external pressure that I knew was mounting when we'd be at the Open or when we'd be at Wimbledon. Yeah. And knowing that there's a real person behind all of that. I find it traumatizing too to, to go back to that moment where I feel you were treated so unfairly and it was reported so unfairly, but I would like us to listen to some of the moments that men have had on the court that people don't seem to have as visceral a response to. You happy to hear some of these fellas? Sure, let's do it. We're not gonna have a point taken away because this guy's an incompetent fool. You know that? That's what he is. That's what he is, right? Well, obviously, there's no, a no, mark no, right no, here. Oh, just come down. There's a mark just, right here. Just come down. Well, then you're an idiot. Uh, sorry, but then you're an idiot. Sorry. Sorry, I have to tell you. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Do your job. Can you hear? Do you have ears? Connect it to your head. Use it. I mean, seriously, does it mean like you have to like be like a second grade dropout to be an umpire? <laughs> Some of that was funny. I love it. Can <laughs> you imagine if you had done that? <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, I got a game taken away from me and I didn't use a bad word at all. Um, but yeah, that was nuts. Um, but, you know, on the, I don't know. I just feel like there's obviously a double standard that, I mean, and whether people want to admit it or not, that's okay. But just, first of all, it makes tennis more exciting to see these players have these emotions, right? Let's just, let's just say that because tennis is very, you know, black and white, not literally, but like, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's just like hit, hit, hit. And there's so many rules of things that they, it, they try to tell you not to do. But if you look at soccer, if you look at basketball, if you look at all these other sports, you have people screaming and you have people, the fans really a part of it. And tennis players are grown up and taught to just like be monotone and mm. people are not monotone, which is why you see these attitudes. So if they want to have these attitudes, I'm all for it. Just don't say I can't either. And, you know, that's that's the only thing. I feel like, you know what, let them be them. But in you know within reason, obviously, and again, I just I do feel that there was a moment where I wasn't proud of it, how I acted and how I behaved, and I am I didn't like how I behaved at all, and I think I was totally at fault there. But I think there's a lot of other moments where I'm just like being myself, and I'm like I said, I got a game taken away when I didn't use a curse word, not even not not one bad word, period, and so I just feel like. There is obviously a double standard. And to experience or talk or just learn about the rest of the show um, as it progressed, she goes on to talk about trying to balance her ambition and being there for her kid, Olympia, um, and how I'm sure that led into her decision to evolve and to proceed. Um, and I know if you read the article that she wrote, Think Piece for Vogue of all places, it's just one is obvious that she's very, she's so smart um, and poised, but also how um, as a female tennis player, she's being made to choose when male tennis players don't even have to. They can go on and have these really long careers, look at Sampras and things like that. 
and their wives are at home pumping out the four or five kids, but she, that is not her option. So she has to get, but the getting is good. She's in her 40s, she gotta make this happen. Um, I would th say, girl, have them harvest your eggs and have a surrogate because don't believe the hype. This is one thing you may wanna take notes from Kim K. She did her one or two and then she was like, okay, we want more kids, but I ain't having them all. So there you go. But some people want that experience. It's just not for everybody. Um, and if you can afford to do it, get a surrogate. Just saying. And this is not that kind of show. I I don't I'm not married. I don't have children. And that's where I guess when you where Princess Cousin Megan and being married to a royal and her, they can actually vibe. Um, and talk about mixed children and all of those things. Um, but I, ain't, I don't have any of that. So y'all need to listen to the rest of the her podcast if you want the details of that. I have no comments on that because I don't think I have a right to. So we need to update a couple of ratchet in the news before we move on to other stupidity. Um, I was following, had started following the story um, at last uh, episode, uh, looking and saying I was uninterested in the demise of Wendy Williams, but it looks like her decline is still progressing. And I did something in the show notes um, just to see her progression. And it's absolutely astounding. She was absolutely spotted uh, late at night in New York in short shorts and a mid-riff mid shirt. And she looks like she, her body is turn, really now turning in on itself. She looks like she's someone that uh, is anorexic. She's lost a bunch of weight. She does not look healthy and the other news on the war is she's, I looked up, she's worth, had been worth that much, as much as $40 million. But she she's now entering some weird, she has no access to her money. I don't know if the business manager has ripped her off or if she actually is under conservatorship because she does not look well, y'all. And she she looks like death is knocking on her door. I wish her well. I wish that she gets it back together. And I think a lot of people want to remember her as the Wendy Williams in the first photo or image of the gallery and not this empty, saggy shell of herself that she is now. I wish her the best. Who I could care less about is R. Kelly. You talk about youth being wasted on the youth and talent being wasted on the talented. This brother has is all of those things. Uh, his trial continues in in um, Chicago. Uh, more young now women, middle age, because it's been thirty years that he has been raping girls, and now coming forth and testifying how they were served up by adults to this pedophile. Um, it continues, I think he's gonna get several consecutive 
uh, child pornography and molestation charges. Now they're going to stick because he doesn't have any money to pay off anybody. He doesn't have the means to fly people out of the country and convince them <coughs> to wait it out. There's nowhere to hide. He can't put up nobody <coughs> in Chump Towers because they don't exist anymore of the Waldorf because he ain't got no cash. So <clears throat> this mf -er don't even have a credit card. I don't even know how he's paying his legal representation. So there you go. But his depravity continues. The depths of his depravity is continued to be uh, revealed to us. And I just really wish they would just take our asses out of the group chat. Just when I thought I was not going to have to have a donkey of the day, every time I look up for some tomfoolery and just complete dumbassery, here goes a Republican. Now it's coming out that the Republican quorum in the state, in the um, House of Rep Representatives, headed by that dumbass McCarthy, are still supporting Trump, even though he is dead ass wrong. Um, and Ted Cruz is leading the way in the Senate to sue Joe Biden, the administration, for student loan and challenge student loan forgiveness. I, I, I honestly believe that the forgiveness of student debt by itself is not going to fix the system. The system is a top-down fix. These schools should not be allowed to charge whatever the hell they want to and then say that the government is going to pick up the tab. They need to show, if you're going to charge me all this money, you're going to have to show a high graduation rate. Um, they go into high pressure or, or like high paid jobs so they can actually be able to pay. And if you don't show that worth, like the ECPIs and these um, fly-by-night technical colleges, then you ain't getting, those types of loans won't be forgiven. And, or, and then we gonna shut your ass down. That's what I would like to see. But this willy-nilly challenging the White House for trying to do the right thing and for supporting um, what they promised uh, in their political run is what, and us paying, making sure that people know that will get you not reelected and will not elect any other senators if you don't call a spade a spade. Because these Jack Lake Republicans don't care about us. They, what they're doing now is so against the public good it, it doesn't make sense for anyone to be aligned with this party. And if you do say that you are aligned with this party that is willing to support a liar and a sociopath, then somebody needs to check your head. But I'll put these <coughs> on these forever donkeys right up there with a murderer. I am actually equating these fools with Cola Beal. He basically killed my father and two other people and then bragged on it on TV and then changed his uh, plea to not guilty. Yeah, okay, bruh. That's where these, this is the kind of stuff 
that I'm that will give you the forever donkey um, tag when you do d- stupid shit and don't expect people to call you out on stupid. Oh, and before I forget, this Thomas Webster fool, the ex NYPD cop that picked up a flagpole and beat Capitol Police officers as they ran up on the Capitol. His butt, I think they gave him 17 years or maxed out. (coughs) I mean, this is justice. And for all of the finky Republicans that think it's okay to break the law and that you're going to get away with it, this is what you get when you break the law. There's no executive privilege because you ain't no fucking executive anymore. There's, you just wrong. You are dead ass wrong. He was dead ass wrong. That's what justice looked like. I don't think it'll be justice until I see that crooked weave chump, all of his enablers, his coked out sons with handcuffs. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And I said what I said, bitches. So I now am moving on to the um, whole ratchet um, TV watching images. And if I haven't been clear, one of the things that I have been completely digging is um, this Siesta Bay rum. So what else is going on <coughs> besides the usual dunkiness? Well, I watch a lot of TV because I don't have a life. Or my life is very um, singular. It is truncated because I choose to... Um, I'm on quarantine now because I have... COVID. And I still don't wish this on anybody. It can throw a monkey wrench into everything. I've been hiding for two years, went home, had a great time, and then ended up uh, being around patient zero. And then within about five days, four or five days of exposure, um, I started getting sick. My sister was getting sick. First aunt, my sister, and then I started getting sick. And I honestly believe that vaccines work and um, the boosters work. And as soon as it's safe for me, even though it's probably Omicron variant that I got, I'm still getting the Omicron variant booster Um, until this thing is truly controlled. I'm not going to trust it to fate. If people want to think that I'm being injected with some tracking device, what are they going to find? That I take my dog out to walk or pee and I get the uh, take the garbage out and get the mail. That's all I do. So I really don't care if big people think I'm being tracked. You want, it's I have the most boring and predictable life. So whatever, y'all. But while I am truly in, I'm still watching some pretty gangster TV. I'm really enjoying the House of the Dragon. Um, I think the dragon 
what is it, Drake, uh, Jakaris, which is a black name. And he looks like a black dude that I probably dated back in the day. Uh, is my favorite um, <laughs> character. Also, my caption of the dragon, and I wrote, have dragon, will travel, and rule the seven kingdoms. There was an old... Uh, uh, there was an old Western from the 60s called Pal the the bounty hunter was named Paladin. Uh, Have Gun Will Travel was the name of the Western. I used to watch the reruns with my grandmother. And it was Paladin, Paladin, where do you roam? Paladin, Paladin, far, far from home. So the me doing that, I just thought of that. I think of little quirky things. But... The, this is the prequel to Game of Thrones. And the whole premise of this show is how brilliant and magnificent. When you look, people, this is how white supremacists look back. They look back to the greater time when there were 10 live dragons and not just the dragon eggs. And, and it still looked like it smelled like toe jam back in those days. But... I just am just like Jason Momoa, his six pack and how fine he was and how young he was, how Viserys uh, was. <coughs> he got got. He basically was chased out of the kingdom. This is Game of Thrones, by the way, y'all. Um, if you want to really listen to some of the funniest recaps, uh, black guy who tips on all of the platforms is completely hysterical. Um, I probably will uh, add that in because he and Karen get on these riffs and they absolutely make the recaps are hysterically funny. That's why I mentioned the show. I'm watching it. I like it. But the comedic recaps of Rod and Karen from the black guy who tips podcast is completely hysterical. I'm going to include um, that for streaming in the podcast notes. But as I get back to Game of Thrones, uh, the Viserys Targaryen character hooked up with Jason Momoa's character, um, the Tharky, um, so he could reclaim his kingdoms. And he kept saying, I want my crown, I want my crown, like the white supremacist he was. So he was like, fine. I think he ripped off his necklace, melted it, and then poured the molten gold over his head. He dropped dead because molten gold is like 2,000 degrees. Didn't stand a chance. And then the Lannister's incest um, explains why Cersei's, all of her kids, like she had all these kids by her brother. They practiced, and she was proud of it. They wanted to keep the bloodline, so brothers were always shacking up with sisters. Her husband, the king, didn't know that. And he also didn't know that old crazy-ass Joffrey uh, was not actually his son, but was no relation to him at all. And his mother was also his sister. Disgusting. So I've gotten up um, to, I believe it's... Um, kind of almost through season one Robert dies because he gets injured in a hunting trip the lying 
Melania-esque Circe uh, seizes the throne uh, for Joffrey against her husband's wishes. And she just be making up lies. She doesn't care. Um, and then they take Ned Stark into custody. But her action starts, I believe, and this is the other thing. You got to follow the wiki to get all these characters uh, straight. But it also starts uh, uh, all in out civil war because he should not have been. He should not have been king. He, uh, basically, Ned should have been regent. And somebody else, I think it was the brother of the king, should have actually been because Joffrey wasn't his. And that's what Ned figured out. Also, Ned Stark figured out that um, it was one of the Lannisters that knocked him out of the tower because he saw um, the brother and sister getting busy. So with that said, um, this, you, you realize just how far the kingdoms has fallen from 300 years uh, prequel of House of the Dragon and to the toe jam and the minor chair uh, that it makes up the Iron Throne from in um, Game of Thrones. So, but I dig it. As I said, I'm not going to be able to do a funnier recap than what you can listen to on the black guy who tips but i definitely enjoy not only watching house of drag of the dragon i also really enjoy uh watching um game of thrones and i'm almost through the first season and i'm floored it's it is grisly it is raw so i am watching the sea as i was saying i don't know how much you got that but i am watching the season finale of P-Valley again for the upteenth time. And let me see, what is this called? Um, uh, I can hardly see. I'm also, if you hear me coughing, what is this called? <coughs> <coughs> I'm also no longer a um Mississippi rule okay I'm also no longer a COVID virgin um I went home only to get COVID and predominantly it's ear pressure and coughing like I'm insane and I cough so hard I have it, like this increased pressure inside of my head <coughs> and that's what you hear and it's really not in my it's kind of I can feel it vibrating through my chest but I'm not I don't think I'm wheezing <coughs> and I started Paxlovid which is a combination of two different medicine one that beats the hell out of COVID and the other one that, uh, oh God, that keeps it, the body from breaking it down. So I am, because it works on an enzyme, basically it shuts it down so the body can't break it down, which is kind of cool. Um, 
unfortunately, my sister also tested positive. But what kills me is a little bit she wasn't going to test and um, or she didn't even think to test. I just I can't keep it up. But anyways, I just it's a lot. And I think the other aunt that's also immunocompromised gave it to us because I'm I go I'm going back about who else I was exposed to and that the sequence of symptoms makes sense to me. And I have a feeling my aunt wasn't doing the test correctly when she said she was negative, but that's neither here nor there either. (coughs) I bring that all up to say is COVID is still out here, y'all. So test, order your test. (coughs) Wear your mask, wash your hands. Don't blow stuff off as allergies or just a little bit of a headache with all this nonsense going around. I mean, you could be putting other family members, et cetera, at risk, but what can you do after you get exposed or you actually get this shit? But getting back to P-Valley, I'm watching this finale again for the upteenth time. And it's just remarkable that Mercedes killed Montavious um, kind of in defense of herself, but also of the Midnight Savage home who really was considering running and after a split second came back and basically they survived and she had moved on and I don't know I I just think and Mercedes held it in because she's the one that pulled the trigger and she carries the guilt, but it was in defense of somebody else who doesn't give a damn. And then I have Little Murder. He always seems like he's a hustler and he's now big murder. And he continues to go hard at just because Pico, who had after. I realized that he had knocked him the fuck out um, in season one, came and was mouthing off again when um, trying to take the rap for Big Teak's suicide and Little Murder had to light him up. It wasn't in defense of anybody. It was just in defense of he's trying to catch a body. He was basically mouthing off and basically he felt compelled. (coughs) Or the old head said, he's your friend. You gonna have to handle this. This is like some ghetto cove nigga shit that they are doing. And it makes absolutely no sense. It was in defense of somebody that 
basically took his own life. But and why would you do that for cred? But why? The, I, maybe it was the the problem of the situation was that he did it um, because he. The, it's like a street code or honor code thing that he felt compelled that he had to do. But to me. Who what, who really was he really defending um, Big Teak's honor or was he trying to assuage his own guilt and also come hard? He may be gay, but he has to be the hardest MF or on the block kind of thing when Mercedes capped Montavious. She capped him because she was defending her Clifford and Autumn's lives. It wasn't about honor. It was like, do it's either me or you. And she was like, bitch, it's gonna be me. And it was no honor because she still feels guilty about it because she took somebody's life. Little Murder was there at Big Teak's suicide, um, and then he capped, unloaded 30 rounds in his chest for because he was running his mouth. Um, I'm not sure about how Maine's gang are going to handle it, but he uh, he don't seem like he he plays, and maybe that's what also he proved too. He didn't want his own security because he said I can take care of myself because you try to get me, I'm gonna get you back, and you're not gonna be running your mouth, and are you just going or it's gonna have to start a war? What they were trying to prevent when he kicked his butt before, and now. The war has really started, but also they all have it's like tit for tat. Um, and it's just so ghetto and stupid. But I look at this seven pounds of pressure and what it means and how it's only slight it, the difference in what it means to Mercedes, which almost ended her career as probably one of a legendary uh exotic dancer um, and how that he's using and created this song to explain <clears throat> him pulling the trigger and the why of it all in the honor of his friend and also to <clears throat> assuage his guilt because it's like he can't understand why he gets to continue when his lover and his one of his very, very good friends could not live enough to go on and dream and be there to cheer him on. He caught a glimpse of that and he could not believe that he and I'm sure he's probably mad at him instead of basically admitting it to this gang what he did. Um, he just really needs therapy and hiding inside the pink is not going to get him, allow him to progress <clears throat> beyond being hood famous because he's always going to be drawn back and keep in his safety, in his safety zone and not expand. 
that's what the whole Tina Snow thing is. It's like he's limiting himself just because of all this other Negro crap that's going on. It's just like he's uh, too afraid to shine because he is the sun and he's not just chasing after the sun. This bitch is the sun, but he's going to blow it all up over some nigga shit. I just don't know, bro. I wanted to end my broadcast or this recording with just some fresh beats and as a reminder for us to be kind to ourselves, be kind to our minds, and keep creating. I mean, there's just so much horrible things and mean things going on in the world. And this is not goodbye. This is just until we meet again or until I record and drop another episode. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I've enjoyed creating it. Check me out on social media. Tinfro is reading on Instagram, TV Food Wine Girl on Twitter, and Tinfro is reading the book club. I hope to get into a better state of mind as we recover as a nation from just the tragic happenstance of the last several weeks. And again, I admonish you to be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Be the action that you want to be. If you want kindness, give kindness, exude kindness, and just love yourself and love others. And again, thank you for listening. Mind Beats.